0: Today's episode is brought to you by me, still mostly just brought to you by me. However, my friends over at defiantbean.com are trying to help out too, but they can't do it alone. Defiant Bean Roasters take responsibly sourced quality coffee beans, lovingly and caringly roast them, sometimes while listening to the EnormaCast apparently, then they put them in a bag, still warm, in a box and send them to you. So fresh, the beans think they're on a little vacation. Right up until they hear the grinder fire up. But anyway, DefiantBean.com is offering EnormaCast listeners a deal. Ten percent off any order, and we, the royal we over here at the EnormaCast, get ten percent as well. That's DefiantBean.com. Enter Enormo in the coupon code at checkout and get ten percent off great coffee. Or head over to Enormalcast.com, click on the Defiant Bean banner for details. Be Defiant. Demand fresh roasted coffee. All right, on to the show.
1: We gotta get Listen, uh, uh,
2: where are you playing in town? Are, are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, the big sold it out. Sold out. A, Very a big place. Nice. That's a big place. You sold, sold it out. That I'll say,
0: so really should. What the hell are you doing?
2: I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a freight end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. weather. Bad weather.
0: Now or later, anytime, time. Hello and welcome to the Normal Cast. This is your host Chris Kalous. It is November first, about ten fifteen p.m. Mountain Standard Time. This is episode twenty-two of the Normal Cast. A conversation with Andrew Bisharat about hard rock climbing, what it means to climb hard why it seems to drive our sport, why it seems to motivate us, just kind of the ins and outs, a wonky discussion about hard climbing. And I looked up that word. I had heard it over and over again with politics, policy wonks, and it turns out that uh, it really fits with this podcast because we get into serious detail, and I do believe we're kind of experts. Anyway, look it up. That's what it means. I don't have much business to do other than... To wish you happy post Halloween. I, th- I hope it was fun. I know that climbers are kind of like grown up children and we do like to dress up. And one interesting thing about Halloween that I noticed, not just with climbing, but playing in bands, is that people get to dress up as something that they're not normally and they get to act out in a way that they don't normally act out. And it turns out that that other person, That other persona that they've wanted to be for 364 days a year tends to drink a lot more than they do normally and tends to be a lot sluttier than they are normally. So keep that in mind next year when you get that sexy vampire costume out or that sexy trad climber costume, whatever it happens to be. Anyway, this podcast is a bit of a return to form from the old off belay days because Andrew and I just take a topic and we sort of... Let the conversation hit it from all sides and ramble on a bit here and there. Hopefully, it'll generate a little bit of uh, interest and maybe some thoughts that you guys have as we get into um, what it means to pursue grades, what the grades mean, what it means to try to climb as hard as you possibly can. Anyway, if you feel like uh, talking about it or sending in some comments, I am always welcoming them. And you can reach me at Chris at AnormalCast.com. You can also leave comments on the website, AnormalCast.com. I do believe we've started to create a pretty solid and kind of vibrant community around this thing, so I totally appreciate any input, feedback, comments that you guys have, and maybe someday they'll get right on the air. Anyway, let's just get right to it, a conversation with Andrew Bisharat.
1: person who's excelling in this really difficult you know genre of sport is like equally obnoxious as the people who are like fuck you gumbies were you know right that's just the same it's just as obnoxious to me
0: like within any other sport or or actually any other endeavor really like you know you want you know, you, you want the best surgeon. Mm-hmm. You want the best airline pilot. And for some reason, like a lot of times, yeah, there's this little bit of a, of a condescension and that may be the opposite word, but in this ironic way, there's this condescension towards the guy who is, you know, so focused on that, that really hard sport climb that that's all he wants to do. And for some reason, there's this like, Thought that, okay, well, that guy is like, you know, wasting his time or like, I can't believe he's just keeping trying that route over and over and over and over again. It's like, well, how about you look at his dedication and how about you look at his ability to focus and to try something to perfect it? Yeah. You know, and we look at Olympians and we, we, I guess we don't see, we don't see all the times they fell off of the fricking balance beam. Mm -hmm. We just see the time they nail it. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe because we we get to witness their their forty five failures before they sent that that fourteen D or whatever.
1: I don't even know if that's like the 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 issue though, is because like climbing is such a spectator. It's not a spectator sport. It's mm-hmm. just such a like a you know a first person. Like I'm I'm the star of my own movie. Like I'm right. in the real rock tour right now on my five nine on whatever like i'm feel like a badass right now climbing because that's what climbing makes you feel like you're mm-hmm. you're like up on lead and you feel like a fucking badass and it's like scary and really intense and all of those things and then to just translate that to or to like i guess be uh humble enough to recognize someone else who's doing that at such a higher level that you can't even comprehend like how much more difficult it is is a big leap like it's a big mental leap Mm -hmm. because it's all you've been told in climbing is we're all the same like we're all like we're all just having this like great vertical experience and like everything's the same right and that is certainly true on some level but on another level the people who are out there doing the hardest routes in the world are so much fucking better than you have any idea of understanding like what that is like and Not just like in the moment, like in the, the years that it took for them to get to that level, you know? And so to, to, to like equalize everything, like everything is even and equal Mm. and everything is the same. And like, that's like, that's like what society is. Like, Mm. we know we're all, we're all the same. We're all, we all have like the same experience and we're all on the same level and should all be treated the same. Well, that's like an ignoring reality. And I think that it is like you can have similar experiences. You can, if you work hard at something and then you succeed at it, there's, a there's certain general, general, uh, feelings and emotions that you go through in the course of that process that are very, uh, educational to you, to your spirit and to who you are as a mm-hmm. person. And, um... But I would say that those experiences intensify and become stronger the harder the climb gets,
2: as well. Right. Right.
1: Because it's harder once you approach your like your limit mm-hmm. is like where you find like these real truths and like who you are and what you really, you know, what you're made of. I guess.
0: Right. So. Well, and that that's the way in which I mean, climbing has been you know, I've, I've sat around and debated whether it's a real sport because we don't have like, I mean, competitions. We, there are climbing competitions. People in the United States don't give a shit about them. Generally speaking, they're big in Europe, but there's a lot of things <laughs> about Europe that are different. Um, but yeah, I mean, we don't, we, we have a sport where it's kind of a recreation, but you know, we don't have, you were saying it's not a spectator sport and you know, when you're standing around and rifle, Look watching a bunch of people climb and everybody's sitting around the road. it's easy to think, oh, yeah, this is sort of spectating, but it's kind of incidental that well, we happen to be there the,
1: the Europe is an interesting thing because it in Europe, competition is part of sports. It's mm-hmm. part of the culture there right and Part of that is because there's so it's so set up for for competition mm-hmm. like who French Spain who's the fucking better skier who's who's good at cross country skiing right and they have all of they have this amazing infrastructure where people get to go and compete with each other and whatever it is that they want to do in the mountains and so this is like an ingrained something that's ingrained in the culture there where there's like this competitive aspect and yeah and I think that they are more appreciative to what the people who are better than them. Right. You know, that's part of it. Even though everyone's out there doing it, you know, everyone's out in the fucking hills, yodeling and like skiing and doing whatever mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. they do. They're also, uh, they go to the competitions and they watch each other and they, they appreciate those who are like the elites. Right. And we don't have that. We're, I mean, the Europeans do call us lifestyle climbers. Like right. we were the lifestyle climbers of the world. Like, <laughs> you know, we, we, it's about and and there's you know nothing wrong with that per se but there is this other side to it if we're talking about grades right now there's mm-hmm. this other side to it that is uh wants to shrug off this any side of competition or anything that suggests that i might be doing this in order to compare myself with another person or compare myself with myself even mm-hmm. i'm just out here having fun and it's this lifestyle and blah blah blah, and that's like really cool too. But you know, it ignores like a certain part of reality right. that exists right. in this sport. I think.
0: All right, real quick, uh, we didn't do an introduction. Um, I've asked Andrew Bisharat <laughs> uh, from Rock and Ice Magazine, also just a friend of mine, to come in. Uh, this is his second time on the Normal Cast. What up? And we're talking about hard climbing, and uh, we're just going to kind of explore this idea of grades of what it means to climb hard, of why it seems to drive our sport, not just in terms of sort of the media, but also I think in a personal way that most of the climbers I know, and Andrew and I talked about this before the show, spend at least part of their climbing career trying to get better and trying to climb harder. And maybe that doesn't stay the modus operandi for their entire climbing careers, but there's a point at which I think the first day you go rock climbing that somebody sets something up for you and if you don't get to the top you try again and try to get to the top and that's probably the seat of it and I think for a lot of climbers it becomes the obsession and and certainly for me and I think for Andrew it's driven a lot of our climbing so I I asked him in here to kind of like talk about a little bit of the philosophy and, and maybe where this comes from and, and sort of the ins and outs of it, maybe the good and the bad. But um, that's what we're talking about. And we just kind of flew into it there. So back to what we were just talking about. One of the things that I've often said was great about climbing is the fact that, that our elites, the best among us, um, we can actually rub shoulders with them pretty easily. And it doesn't even matter how hard you climb oftentimes. You can you know, to use rifle as our, our my constant example, but because it's an international destination, because most of the best climbers in the world pass through there at one point, whether earlier in their career or late or whatever, you know, you can go ahead and go right up and stand right next to them and say, yeah. hey, and say what's up. And I've always said that was a good thing and I still think it's a great thing, but in a lot of ways, maybe this familiar nature of that Makes us kind of forget just who those people are because in another sport, the elites, the greats, you you wouldn't even dream of that. Maybe Michael Jordan would, you know, shoot baskets with you or do it on the same court that you're doing it on, or Mario Andretti would, like, you know, be there. Yeah, here, take my car for a spin. No worries, you know. So we can put those people on a pedestal and, and in a way, maybe looking at some of the great climbers it's like oh yeah they're just like me and you maybe equate that oh yeah and you know if i just tried harder and like ate a few less twinkies i could probably climb just as hard as that dude
1: well i think i think that there's a few things to what you're saying that are really interesting to me and and yeah you know climbing is is like uh you know being able to play baseball in fenway park with your heroes or whatever and the Red River Gorge is a great example of that because it has so much beginner climbing and so many people from around the country go there every weekend. And then you look at it right now, and there's, you know, the best climbers in the world are at the Red right now. Adamantra's there, and all these French, really good French climbers are there. And um, what
0: happened to the French? That's a whole other show. That's, anyway, a, keep that's going. another
1: show, dude. We need to. We can get. We can. We can delve into. What that. happened
0: to those guys? They just got too cute for their own good.
1: They They just got all cutesy. They started making films, or they're smoking cigarettes and <laughs> yeah. and doing little witticisms, and it just got weird. And anyway, anyway, back to that. So anyway, they're back, all in the red. So they're all in the red right now, and I think that you know that's a great place to like rub shoulders with you know these the sports heroes, but I think that. What you're talking about, where you, you're seeing the humanity behind these, you know, supposed superstars, mm-hmm. there's part of that, but I think that a lot of it has to do with the the people who are maybe sponsored in America. Mm-hmm. America, to me, is a very easy place to get sponsored as a rock climber because one, it's less competitive than Europe, mm-hmm. so there are far fewer really really good climbers here than there are in Europe. Right. Um, We're behind on that level. And then, on the other hand, there's a lot more companies who need people's Mm -hmm. faces to, like, pimp their products. Well, can
0: I qualify one thing on there, too, is that we have this tendency in the United States to think that, well, yeah, they're better sport climbers But we've got this under our belts or that under their belts. And that's also kind of no longer true. Maybe we have, because we have more pure cracks here, when you talk about pure crack climbing, possibly we've got better crack climbers. But when it comes to sort of trad climbing in the sense of ground up, run out, even if there are some bolts... They're killing it, too. I mean, I just actually... Well, the, I, the, re- the,
1: the big yeah. difference is, is that we are the only people who make those qualifications. Right, right. To them, it's just climbing. Mm-hmm. I just got finished writing a feature on the Dolomites, mm-hmm. and I interviewed uh, the great Heinz Mariacher, the shoemaker and Dolomites badass, and he was one of the baddest sport climbers in Italy mm-hmm. in, the, in the 1980s. He was climbing 514 early on. But he's still, you know, he he's able to, you know, understand that there's differences between, like, the Dolomites and Arco, mm-hmm. you know. So there's a big difference between those two. And to him, it's not the same thing. You wouldn't use his sport climbing tactics on the Marmolada South Face. And to him, you know, to, to, he sees those differences and mm-hmm. qualifies them, but it's not as much of a hang-up. Right. You know, it's right. not this hang up that we have where it's like oh I'm putting you in this box of being a sport climber you can't do this, you know, you can't you don't know what it's like to be on the sharp end of a 510 blah blah blah. Like I think that we're the only people who still really think might that worry way. worry
0: about that. And we do. I mean, it's constant constant sort of arguments constant, about that. That's And you... it's constant. Right. <laughs> Uh, let's do it again right now. <laughs> let's just rehash dude. Well I just I just ran into uh uh Bayat Kamalanda uh uh-huh. uh in in Moab, Utah, actually, sitting at uh the bar at Eddie McStiff's nice. And so for me and The I'm, White Wizard. The White Wizard, dude. Yeah. And uh I'm
1: waiting for him and Dean Potter to just go toe to toe and they aren't those. I am looking over them just right. like regulating this battle of the
0: two wizards i don't know man i thought <laughs> i thought he was sort of his i thought he was sort of dean's guru but if you <laughs> if anybody out there who's listening doesn't know who Bayak kamerlander is which probably most of you don't actually look him up he's like the baddest dude He was. he put up the uh hardest
1: ground up roots in the radicon right in switzerland in switzerland yeah one of them was um, this multi pitch route Wogu, which Adam Andre was the first person to free climb. And is like, even though pretty much no one in America knows this, but it's like really well regarded as the hardest multi pitch route in the world. Sure. Like it's nails hard. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't know, I, I, Adam called it 14B or something, but that, right. I think that really uh, masks the true difficulty of what this route is
0: right and it's got some bolts in it i'm sure but the radicons famous for just massive runouts even on 514 climbing yeah right and taking like 60 foot lobs off of cruxes no you like
1: don't fall there you don't want to yeah
0: and that Bayout was sitting at the bar today to make stiffs that's so cool it was like a i was just talking like this this moment where I got to sort of like, hey, what's happening? And I had and met him before. And you're like, dude,
1: Radicom Roots, not yeah. that hard. I'm seeing you right now, and Eddie McStiff's, <laughs> and you're like, I'm like gonna go,
0: I'm just gonna go and just do Silver Guy right now. No, that guy, that guy defies that because when you see him, you're just like, whoa, dude. That whatever he's climbing, I'm not getting on.
1: What's he like? Dude? Is he is he big? No, no, of course, he's not. A little guy. Yeah, yeah, I that's mean, he's, maybe part of it too. He's stocky.
0: All the really Dude. good
1: climbers are tiny little guys yeah. and you see them in person. But know? he's
0: got crazy like grey blonde hair, like super long and gnarly. And like his eyes, like you just said, like the eyes of serum and they just like burrow into you. But he's got like this little sort of smile on his face that he knows this thing that you're never gonna know. Yeah. It's just like the look on his face. Yeah. So great guy though. Great guy. But what were we talking about before we started?
1: He, was, he wasn't on like Americans? wearing car and just like Having a papst. <laughs> I think
0: he, I, I'll tell you what he was just here climbing towers. Yeah. And uh, so you that's know, that's cool. He's graduated a little bit. He he knows how to come into a scene and assimilate himself. So mm-hmm. I didn't actually look at his at his pantalones, but yeah, um, they might have been made out of canvas. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not you sure. You
1: don't look at his pants. That's what I've always heard. <laughs> you do not look at Bay Kamerlander's pants. <laughs> He hates it when you do yeah, that. You're gonna
0: get punched <laughs> in the eye for sure. <laughs> he catches you looking below the belt.
1: <laughs>
0: All right, back All right, back anyway. to our topic as we were going off. You were you were talking about uh how sort of maybe it's a little more pedestrian or easy to get sponsored in the United States because there's less competition. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what your point was gonna be?
1: Um oh my point was that I think that that leads into this perception of, hey, these guys are doing it. I can do it. Mm -hmm. Because there are quite a few named climbers out there who are, you know, really good climbers, but on the global scale are maybe not Mm -hmm. pulling down with like the dudes who are like, you know, just getting nasty on like the hardest routes. Right. And so, yeah, I think that the profession of, being you know, a professional climber is a little bit diminished mm-hmm. in the U S even though it's easier to do, it's easier right. to be sponsored and, you know, get shoes and get your, you know, profile on a company blog and all of that. Right. Um, and so I think that that's part of it. I think that it's hard to translate in general. It's hard to translate, you know, what, what difficulty is in climbing in general and mm-hmm to a large population right like, that's sort of the root of what we're talking about right is how do we qualify and quantify what is difficult in our sport right and who is the one who's doing the most difficult shit right like that's like what people want to know right everyone even the fucking cynical dudes like you like right. they want to know like what I'm the not most cynical well okay you're right. you know but the guy's on super topo right. They want to know what they, even though they want to like, you know, just wallow around in their, in their, you know, backer, you know, Ron Kalk glory days and like relive the seventies forever. They also want to know what the raddest shit is because they're climbers. Right. That's like what climbers want to know. Even if it's like, you know, I think different from what your perspective is, Mm -hmm. you're still interested Mm -hmm. in like what's hard.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of part of where this topic is coming from is that. Again, it's like if you climb five eight, you want to climb five nine. If you climb five nine, you want to climb five ten, but also you are interested in who's climbing hard Mm -hmm. and who's climbing not just grade hard, but who's climbing the most inspiring rad stuff. And, but the thing about that is, is you can, you can kind of make play this game in your head. Like those two things don't go together, but they do go together. Mm -hmm. You know, a big, 25 pitch 510 is not as interesting to hear about the first ascent of as a big 25 pitch 513 or 514.
1: Maybe I I mean I think that it's just a it's just a really interesting thing about how these stories affect us, mm-hmm. you know,
0: because Well, you're I mean you're in the business. Well, so. yeah, I know. I think so. I think about this that? a
1: lot because, you know, what what do people want to know? And part of it is that people want to know what they can go do. Because, and I certainly feel that way. Mm-hmm. Like, why why are you telling me about this area? Like, what, am I, am I going to go here and climb something? And that's like a majority of what a lot of climbing stories are. Mm-hmm. But then there are these stories of people really pushing boundaries and limits of what's possible for humans in the vertical world. And those stories are more important because they influence us on this level that, We don't really know until maybe 10 years down the road. Mm -hmm. You know, Chris Sharma climbing the first 515 made everyone in the world a better climber. Whether or not we know it, you know, at the time, it didn't have an instant impact. But the fact that 515 was established, that raised the bar. Like, that's like, you know, you're like, okay... Then this isn't that hard. Then this isn't that hard. Mm-hmm. Then this isn't that hard. Like Well
0: what did you call the uh, the earlier tonight? You said the send train.
1: Yeah, it's the send train effect. Like right. one and you see this, you know, in, in your personal climbing days where you're working a problem or route with someone, you see someone climb it, you're like, I can do that too. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you say that to yourself, you know, those exact words, right. your brain works that way because it sees it happen. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I'm can I can get to this next level. I can go farther. Right. That's what like why hard climbing matters. You know, it's not it's not just about this glorification of these people. Uh-huh. It's about appreciating like what is possible. Right. Pushing your expanding your limit, your mental limits of right. what is possible. Right. And the people who don't see that. To me, are so sad. Like I just feel sad for them because pay some respect to this because this is going to take you to a new place as well. Right. You know, you are going to get become a better climber because of this. Right. You don't realize it, but it's going to have that effect. And because there's going to be more people climbing 515. How many people have climbed 515 since Sharma did it? Like a lot of people have done it because it's possible now. Mm -hmm. And so. Yeah, there's like always oh, that one leader, you mm-hmm. know, it's kind of
0: well, yeah, I, you you sort of said send train and I always say it's kicking the door open. Mm-hmm. You know, and and on El Cap with free climbing it happened. It took a little while. It took more than one person to do it, but finally it like the floodgates opened and and everybody all of a sudden was like, "Wait, you can go up there and free climb." And with the grades, you clearly see see that as well where stuff gets repeated. Not even that specific route, but all of a sudden the grade gets repeated. Mm-hmm. It's not like a rule because there's a there can be a visionary person that does it, you know, miles ahead of time, mm-hmm. and then there is sort of this lag time. I mean, Lynn Hill on on the nose was, is a classic example of that, where yeah. there was a lag time, and I think in that case, going back to what we talked about earlier, like within the minds of a lot of people of the era, she was. So far beyond already that everybody was like, okay, well, she did it. That doesn't mean I can do it, right? You know that it was like the opposite effect of like, well, that doesn't mean shit because she's so much better right. than the yeah, rest yeah. of us. So, but but in general, there's like that that send train effect or yeah, no, the door it's open. true.
1: And maybe and maybe it, it the you know the real process is like has that ten year lag to it. Mm. You know,
0: well, and I've always thought about it too. It's like let's go back twenty five years or 30 years, you know, when did Fure's come out?
1: 85 or something. Some, or something. I mean, when
0: they became, like, sort of used. And in, in, in Fure's, for, for those of you sort of younger than, than me and Andrew, who happens to know history, but that was the first, <laughs> like, really sticky rubber shoe that, like, changed everything. And, frankly, I mean, modern shoes are better, but most people climb in shoes that aren't... A, a million times better than those. Like they, they were pretty good shoes for the era. And yet it took, I mean, it took a long time for like 511 to become kind of a pedestrian grade. And I've often wondered are, are like human beings just that much stronger in 2012 than they were in 1992 even mm-hmm. or 1982? Is, the gear that much better i don't think so i think that it's that effect of like as the grades got higher and the 512 became solidified and 513 became solidified we just automatically be started to think about two grades easier being like that's that's doable yeah because i'm not stronger than john Yablonsky. yeah you know i climb harder than he ever did yeah But I don't think my shoes are that much better or my rope works that much better or friends are that much better. I
1: mean, but, you know, in all sports, you all you can't qualify any sporting achievement by comparing it to different decades. Right. Like that. You don't qualify what Babe Ruth, you know, achieved Mm -hmm. as a hitter based on. You know, what Mark Maguire, right. Barry Bonds is doing now, like it, it's just not the way sports work. It's mm-hmm. always like in the context of the day, right? Who is doing the hardest, best stuff. And so, yeah, we get to, we hold on to our Babe Ruths or whatever, right. you know, because that was when we were growing up, that was the shit at the time, you right. know, like the backer was the shit. Right. Well, I was in rifle a year, a couple years ago. And there was like six people standing in a little circle with me. You we are just like, oh yeah, I climbed the Backer earring. I climbed the Backer earring, too. Oh really? Me too. Oh no shit. It wasn't that bad. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. I know. Isn't that you know? a trip? It, yeah. It, it's like, crazy. The
0: mythology around it. You'd think it, it's it languishes there, like and someone tries it every once in a while, but it gets break climbed. their legs every time. Right. Flying. And break their legs every time they do it. <laughs> Crawl did, away from the back Yarn. yeah, of the urine. I'm the same way. I I know it's a, a ton of people that have climbed. Yeah. That. I know some people that have fallen off of it too. But yeah. But yeah. It, it, we have this mythology that that route gets done once a year at the most, but it, in the season it gets done once a week, Mm -hmm. even now. Yeah. By euros. Yeah. You know, these people that we think can't climb run out climbing. Yeah. That's a whole nother issue. Yeah. But going back to what you said, I mean, what I was saying about like the, the grade being sort of solidified is that we have a tendency to toss off this idea that, you know, the gears better, the shoes are better. And that's what is allowing us to climb harder. My only point, and it applies to Babe Ruth and it applies to the four-minute mile, is that it it was it was mental. You know, mm-hmm. we're not stronger humans than those guys that r- couldn't run a four-minute mile.
1: I mean, that's that you know? is the definition of the term visionary: is are the people who are able to see past those limits mm-hmm. and say, "I can do better than this." Mm-hmm. You know, and there's only a few of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that you go root for root with Ethan Pringle and Chris Sharma, I'd say Ethan is like a stronger climber. He's a better, stronger climber, but he doesn't have the vision that Chris had to push the sport into an entirely new dimension. You know, and and I think that, you know, someone like Adam Andra is maybe starting to prove himself. And is going to be taking the sport into that new new dimension once he starts doing his own new routes and and not just like repeating everything else really quickly. I mean, he's done a few new routes, but they've except I guess his new one is one that he bolted fully. Um, his new route change is uh, the first 515C in the world, so. Well, I mean, isn't um, it? The, the... he's he's only 19 years right. old. He's just starting out, and it's he's the going. It's normal so, pattern. Yeah, I'm not saying that yeah. he's he's doesn't he doesn't have this characteristic of being a visionary. Right. He's 19 years old. Right. You know what is he's just coming into the prime of like being able to actually like sink his teeth into something really hard. Right. It's and all. See what he's it's capable. all raw talent. Yeah. At this point. No, he's, he's just, he's just cleaning shit up because it's fucking easy for him, but he's going to take it to the so far beyond like what everything that we know is possible. Right. And I hope he does. I can't wait to see that process unfold.
0: I don't know. It's just like, uh, I guess one of the reasons I kind of brought this up, you know, is, is that I, I, it's like I, I kind of felt as though there is this prejudice against people who just want to climb really hard. Mm-hmm. And I've felt it personally um, in Indian Creek in the last few years. I, I'm just, I've am just i climbed there so much that if I'm going to keep climbing there, I'm not really interested in going to a cliff. And the standard practice there is you know, you go and you, you climb a couple 510s and you climb a couple 511s and you climb some 512s and you try to get as many pitches in in the day as you can. And then you know, the next day you go to another cliff mm-hmm. and and years ago already, I've just got tired of it. I'd rather go try to climb something really hard. And there's sort of this attitude that I kind of get sometimes that because I don't want to run up that 510 at the end of the day and I'll give a pass on it. I don't love climbing as much as the dude who, who's going to like go until the, until the, until the light disappears off the, off the cliff and we're all freezing our asses off. Yeah. And Maybe it's in my head, but I, I sort of feel that sometimes of like as much judgment as, as I think climbers who don't climb as hard think they get from, from people who, who climb at the upper end of the grades. I think there's also this kind of like, maybe it's a pushback to, to, to say, well, you don't love climbing as much as I do because all you do is chase grades. And I've, you know, heard the chasing grades thing all the time, which, you know, something we should get into grades in a little bit here, but. That, that's well, kind of where the, this is coming it's, from um and...
1: well so i I just want to say something that i I came from a similar background, I guess, and just growing up as a trad climber you know and a lifestyle American climber you know yeah. like that's the that's the sort of way to approach it and I get that because who wants to be around someone who's like I want to climb harder i want to get a pluses in school all day every day i just want to fucking get a pluses okay like is it cool with you if i just get some a pluses right now for the next week like i'm just gonna rock school forever (laughs) like i want to do that and if it's cool with you like we can still be friends (laughs) right like that's not you don't want to be friends with those people you know they're fucking annoying (laughs) that's a great
0: analogy so
1: like It's like, relax, bro. Just relax. Dude, it's cool. You smoke this, I'll be studying, getting A pluses while you fucking get D's. Is that cool? Are we cool? Are we still friends? (laughs) Um, so yeah, I get that that's annoying, but, and I think that sport climbing, that's the nature of the game. Mm -hmm. It's so, you know, achievement based. Right. And it's really, you know, it's not a game for everyone because of that. I hate to keep dropping his name, but like Chris Sharma, he was, we're friends and whatever we talk. And I was talking to him this summer and he said...
0: This might be the closest I'm ever going to get to interviewing him, so just <laughs> keep talking about him. So he,
1: he, he we were both talking. We are like, you know, we. I, I was like, I feel like I'm climbing harder than I ever have in my life, but I don't have a red point to show for it. Like I'm climbing better but I don't have a red point. I don't have a send, you know? Mm-hmm. And Chris was like, yeah, I've, I feel the same way. Like I'm climbing better, but I haven't sent anything in like a year or two years. Right. And that's like one thing you don't always hear about Chris is it takes like a year or two to, to send these really hard routes. Sure. So he's not out at the crag doing laps on the five tens. Like right. he goes to the crag and he climbs, he picks one route and like, it's the hardest route that he can find there. And that's what he's psyched to do. And he, and he does it and it might take, you know, you know, a few days it might take two years well it's a crazy life of failure it's a crazy life of failure yeah yeah so that's like the nature of the game is like you know constant failing and if you're mm-hmm. okay with that that's like that's what the you know sport climbing is it's mm-hmm. this is a very achievement based thing but i had this realization and we talked about this earlier where i was like if i can climb as hard as i physically can then look at how many more routes I can go do. Sure. Like, look at all of the routes that are opened up to me, Mm -hmm. you know, because I can climb a certain grade. I can go do 90% of the routes, blah, 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 wherever. Right. I can climb all of them. And that's like a brilliant thing. Right. If you're psyched on climbing, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to feel that way. Like I was saying, I just came back from the Dolomites, and that uh, really came into play there because for – the, the routes that I approached, like most of them were well below my limit. So I had this really great experience of being able to, you know, try pretty hard, but not at my limit. I didn't fall on most of the routes I climbed and I was able to do some like hard routes, you know, on site or whatever. And it was just cool to be able to be on these routes that are, you know, hard, cool routes that aren't, that don't have like, 20 people uh, in in a line to get up sure. them because it's the classic moderate it's the like route that everyone has to go do it's the five seven that right. was done in 1920 and blah 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 right. like you can go and climb these routes that are harder and no one's on them mm-hmm. and so that's like a that's a I mean these are like very practical benefits to right. <laughs> to just having that approach I think
0: you know that's really a key thing to remember because bringing this back to sort of being personal and I started the show at one point I said that you know I think that most of the climbers I know if not a hundred percent like real close spent part of their climbing career wanting to climb better and what you're talking about really you know says a lot to me because a lot of times you look at that in a negative way and you say well, they're just chasing grades or they're just, you know, they're jealous. Don't, or they yeah, they don't understand the climbing jealous motherfuckers, really right? <laughs> but the truth I'm is is, is that when you first start climbing, that's that's why you want to get better. It's right. because you know, I just did this beginner route that my friend put up for me, but look over across the way there like check that out. Yeah. I want to climb that. Yeah. And then I want to climb that, and then you walk into, you know, a personal experience of being climbing in El Dorado Canyon in, in uh, <clears throat> Boulder. Hey, I'm talking about something besides Indian Creek. Everybody listen up. Um, <laughs> you know, that's where I kind of learned to trad climb and learned to multi-pitch climb. And walking in there and looking up and seeing the naked edge and having read about the naked edge and knowing the history of the naked edge. And it's there, you know, it's the thing you see when you walk in. I wanted to climb it. And so I knew that it was this grade and I knew that I was going to have to get better at all these different things so I could go up and climb that motherfucking route because there it was and the birds were spinning around it and every once in a while there was some dude up there when I'd walk in and I'd just be like, I wonder what he's thinking up there. That's amazing, you know?
1: It's kind of ironic because I am actually just kind of processing this now as I'm talking, but it's like what you're talking about though is like, climbing a 511a you know it's not right. like if that's attainable for just about everyone if they really want it you mm-hmm. know and having goals is like what could be better than that like right. you know having goals having a a thing to work toward like the reason to to wake up in the morning and like get out of bed and and you know do some sizing and <laughs> lose those pounds so you can climb <laughs> the naked edge like right. that's great right like, having that is great but then you take that to the extreme, you take it once again to like someone like Chris Sharma, is that dude going to be, like how many routes does he actually get to climb on? You have this idea of climbing hard so you can climb all these routes, but then you get so good that you're you're limited to like three or four routes that are like the hardest routes in the world, and that's all you're psyched on, right, yeah. you know what I mean? It's Poor like, Chris
0: Sharma. Yeah, yeah, poor
1: Chris Sharma, you know, <laughs> like there's only so many routes that he can go climb. it like has it once you get to that level it's like the opposite effect Mm -hmm. and i feel that a little you know a little bit too like i could be psyched to go and climb you know reclimb some of the roots that i learned on in the gonks and Mm -hmm. but i don't really want to do that i want to go climb harder shit you know
0: what i'm saying like yeah a long time ago in, in a podcast many many ages ago i we were talking about free soloing and what sort of the motivation was, we were sort of discussing that. And, um, one of the things I said about it is that it takes a lot of the things that most people go to climbing for, you know, this idea of being in the moment, this idea of your head being as clear as possible in those moments of, of whether it's terror for some of us or whether it's just trying really hard and, work disappears and the worries disappear even if it's for a few seconds in the crux and i i my my argument was that free soloing takes all those things that we all love about climbing and makes them even more intense like you're you are so focused it's like ecstasy right and sex <laughs> <laughs> exactly like that <laughs> but we i think that in a lot of ways and if if anybody out there thinks about their climbing they also achieve those moments of the most intense clarity, the most intense being in the moment, and, and all these other things we talk about climbing being so great for, when they are trying their absolute hardest. Whether it's 5'10", or 5'11", or 5'12", whatever is hard for you, there's those moments, I think, and it, it, it we all like to talk about it makes my sort of palm sweat, but it's those moments when you are at your limit, but you achieve and you don't fall because falling breaks the spell. And we all know the rush of coming out of when you hit the end of the rope, whether it's on top rope or whether it's leading and everything comes back and all of a sudden, oh, here I am in wherever and mm-hmm. there's that car and there's those people and blah, blah, blah. Like, But for the second before that, you were in your little world on mm-hmm. that little hold and to climb something and achieve it at that limit is like, I mean, that's the best thing in climbing. Mm -hmm. And so for me to ramble up, something can be fun, but it doesn't go to that sort of drug-like place. I mean, you made that joke about ecstasy, but it is like you go into this, this headspace that, you know, the original LSD experimenters talked about, like you're in this other world and that's what we're addicted to. That's what we're passionate about. So it only stands to reason that you try to find that existence somewhere. Yeah. And if you're a 5'11 climber, then 5'7 ain't going to do it for you. Yeah. You know?
1: No, it's so true. And and this is like a good parallel to like golf or something because that that's a player's game. You know, golf is a player's game mm-hmm. or climbing is a player's game as well. You go out and you shoot a 120, but you hit that one perfect drive at the, on the 18th hole. Yeah. Right. That's what keeps you coming back. Like right. you sink that one 20 foot putt. You're like, I'm a fucking G, right. you know, like, but you're still not winning the masters, right. you know, you're not up there with Tiger Woods, but right. you are, you are in your own world where mm-hmm. you, you do something and it's like in this moment of excellence. It's it's what dr- continues to drive you. Mm-hmm. It's what continues to bring you back, and like mm-hmm. makes you want to be better at at the sport, right. you know. Regardless of the Tiger Woods and John Daly's and Phil Mickelson's and whoever they those are, other people, those other
0: guys, <laughs> those other guys, those <laughs> other slightly <laughs> overweight guys. <laughs> I felt the same way about wakeboarding this summer, but anyway. So. Before we get done here, let's talk a little bit about grades because, you know, that's in a, in a lot of ways that becomes a little bit of the dark side of climbing hard, you know, because when people accuse you of chasing grades, there is sort of a point, they do have a point that maybe there is a little shallowness in there um, because a grade, a grade doesn't necessarily reflect how hard the route was for you and as we spoke about earlier, it's a personal game. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I think of chasing grades, I think of the the game I've played, we've all played, that oh, I heard this is a pretty light 13A or this is a pretty light 12A, so I'm going to go and climb on it. And as soon as you fall into that trap, then maybe we are treading into kind of some sort of weird, like soft just, ego place. It's, it's just
1: so crazy because, I mean, it's, so, it's all so subjective. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that. From the get-go, they are like Mm -hmm. told this is a subjective grading system. Don't take it too seriously. Right. But then you don't really appreciate the degree to which that's true Mm -hmm. until you've been climbing for a really long time. Right. And you've pushed yourself through the grades and you've seen how subjective it is. Right. And you've watched other people do stuff that you know that is above their head or or you know below them based on The fact that their body size or whatever weird skill they have, you know, like they're flexible or they can heel hook or whatever it is that you want to point out, that gets them to the top of a route that was really hard for you.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You don't until you like see that in person and you really understand it, Mm -hmm. you know. And but it's crazy to me that there's so many people out there who want to make it this like consolidated thing you know right. like consolidation of grades that's all you hear about like let's consolidate the v15 grade before we move to v16 let's sure. consolidate 514 what the doesn't mean anything right you know if someone says a grade to me now i'm just like like you were talking about your route on castleton which you said you didn't want to bring up your new route you uh-huh. you graded a 513b and it just had a second ascent right and this the second ascender, Joe Mills, thought it might be as only thir- 513A. Right. You know, and that could be a point of contention, you know, like, oh, this guy is downgrading my route. Uh-huh.
0: Oh, or I'm, I'm pissed.
1: Or it could be, <laughs> or it could be what it is, right. which is that for him, it's a 513A. Right. And for you, it was a 513B. Sure. And that's all it is. Right. It's a general ball I know it's not 511 right I know it's probably not 5 nine right like I'm gonna if I if I go up onto this route I'm not gonna expect 5 nine climbing right I'm gonna expect 513 climbing mm-hmm. in the 513 range that right. that range of that's that's what I'm going up there to expect sure I don't I'm not gonna go up there and like want to tick 513b and like that's like the most important thing to me right you know I want to climb that route because it's a beautiful route. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's grades just like really do a disservice to the sport, you know, because you, you lose sight of the beauty of the line.
0: Well, and it's, it's interesting because it is, I think the, the A, B, C, D thing is a lot of times like this real, that's where a lot of it comes from, you know, because then you can even actually, there's actually what, uh, there's actually seven or yeah, seven grades in there because you can go A, B, B, C, C, D because mm-hmm. you can get the slash grade. Yeah, slash grades. You yeah. know, and that. And like, then there's
1: the pluses and minuses. Yeah, so the don't pluses those. and minus. Well, yeah. I don't know. know where those go in exactly. Well,
0: those are kind of an old school trad thing, I think. Okay. Because they still use those in the creek. Because this, I it, I thought it could be
1: five thirteen C, five thirteen plus five
0: thirteen D. Oh no, I always thought it that that the they were separate. And the pluses and minuses sort of ignored the A, B, C, D thing. Okay. Plus is, you know, would be equivalent to maybe a C, D and, you know, a 13. 13- C, D. Yeah.
1: So it's a slash grade. It's In like a way, an abbreviation
0: for a slash it's grade. It's like, well, a, a plus, no plus, minus, minus, there's only three. <laughs> I know, it's fucking <laughs> even trying to explain it. it doesn't make any sense. And yet I've been using it for 20 years. Whatever. <laughs> All right, so let's go back to that though real quick, because yeah, the Castleton route. So, climbed a, a, a free to a, a, a climb on Castleton, a new route on Castleton. The crux pitch was bolted, um, basically a sport climb, and it's I rated it 13b. Now, where did I come up with that? And that's really like it. It was entirely subjective, and by subjective, I, I can also just substitute the word personal, and because. I based it on what I was climbing elsewhere, how long it sort of took me compared to what I was climbing elsewhere. And I'm in relatively the same shape that I was in when I climbed a 13B this summer in rifle. And so, and that took this many tries and this took this many. Tri- I mean, it's so like many factors went into me going, I don't know. I guess it's B. Yeah. I don't think it's a, I don't know. And Joe went up there and climbed it. He thinks it's probably easier than B. Great, you know. It's yeah. like I don't know. For me, it felt well, really think freaking about just hard. how messed up that you whole know? thing
1: is. Is because you like you uh, have been climbing five thirteen for a long time, right? Right. And you like at some point you get better, mm-hmm. and then the shit that was really hard for you mm-hmm. ten years ago isn't as hard for you no. now. You know. So where you're, you're like feeling it out, like basing it on experiences Mm -hmm. maybe that are 10 years old. Right. When you're in a completely different form. And this is how you arrive at the rating of a root or what it feels like. That's what we all say. So it's like, it's not just subjective based on the person in that present moment. It's subjective Mm -hmm. based on all of these crazy like fourth dimensional factors. Sure. You know? So like, yeah, who knows? Who right. knows what anything is.
0: But uh, but but then again, you go back to like, okay, you do have a general sense, and that's yeah. kind of what they're for.
1: Okay, but would you be able to tell the difference between a five seven and a five eight?
0: <sighs> It'd be a little rough.
1: What about five three and five four? No. Okay, so <laughs> I started climbing in the gunks, and this is some real shit that goes on there, dude. There's 5.3, five, 5.3 five, plus, 5.4 minus, right. 5.4, right. 5.4 plus, mm-hmm. and it goes up to 5.10, mm-hmm. which is the limit that anyone mm-hmm. there can climb. I'm um, mm-hmm. just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I only say that out of a place of love. But, do you, but the, do, you, do you, I mean, we all get caught up in it. I get caught up in it. We. I, yeah, I, you totally get caught up in it, and but
1: like you go, like you, you. Is like, there a magic
0: the, like cure for that?
1: I think that it's just, you just have to understand that it's only based on you at that moment. Mm -hmm. It's all about you. Mm -hmm. Like, you go and climb a route, and it could be the hardest thing you've ever tried. And in 10 years, you could be warming up on it. Right. And it won't be that hard anymore. Right. And then it's not that great anymore. Right. It's whatever... It doesn't. The grade is irrelevant, you know, because you've you've like risen past it. Mm-hmm. And so, in yeah, the
0: moment, it seems super important.
1: In the moment, and it's that like just that. Just proves that
0: later it's not.
1: It's just not. Right. It's hopefully it's not. Right. Like you can't. I mean, I don't know any no climbers who were the the shit back in the nineties think that anything that they did is significant now. Mm-hmm. And if they do, it's just sad. Right. You know, but they most of them don't. Right. Most of them are like, okay, well, yeah, Adam mantra just downsided my hardest route that I ever did.
0: Well let me let me actually qualify that too, because I think you're allowed to think it was significant in kind of the like what we talked about earlier is mm-hmm. that you were there pushing the sport and you deserve respect for sure. that. But in terms of like hanging on to or being upset when Adam Andra on sites it or yeah. warms up on it or, or yeah. doesn't even want to do it because it's not worth his time, which right. may be the greatest insult to your root. <laughs> <laughs> Getting hung up on that is one thing. I think you can feel pride in that you were that person sure. at the time. Yeah. You know, that there's nothing wrong with that. No,
1: one. no, for sure.
0: But but yeah, going like
1: oh that little girl did well, my route. It's no, like well,
0: guess what? A younger little girl is gonna do it next year. So but the thing is, is on. that
1: all? I mean, those people who were putting up those routes back then are the reason that there are kids climbing those routes in the first Bingo. place. Yeah. Like that's what it all comes back to. Is like they pushed the sport ten years ago mm-hmm. so that you know, their children could come in on-site daddy's project. Like that's like, (laughs) that's what it all comes down to, you know, it's like, like... and also not just, you know, we talked about vision, but also just the fact that there's that many more routes for these kids to go climb. Sure. That's like, practically, that's the reason why grades are moving forward too is that, you know, not just gyms and training, but the Mm -hmm. fact that there's entire, you know, cliffs with, Like 25, 13 for kids to just go and huck laps on. Right. That just raises standards. So
0: So the most demoralizing thing, and we'll wrap the grade discussion up with this, but the most demoralizing thing for me personally are bouldering grades Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm a horrible boulderer. And I, you know, about 70% of the time I can just be like, that's fine. It's just not my thing. I'm just not very good at it. And I can walk away unwounded. But there's a good percentage of the time, especially if I'm if I'm bouldering inside, mm-hmm. where it can just like crush my soul. And I can just be like, oh, I'm a terrible climber. I hate this. Why am I doing this? Like, I'm going home to read my to read climb. <laughs> about guys in the '70s who climbed 511 again, so I can feel good about myself. Is that the Colorado history? <laughs> yeah, that's book, that's yeah. Fa- my favorite book. Yeah, nice. So you you wanted to say something about V grades?
1: Oh, I just you know I can't stand them really. I wish that they would just die.
0: I think the guy they're named after can't stand them either, <laughs> frankly.
1: I think that that's, yeah, his, his legacy is something that he can't stand. So yeah. you're, you're going to have to have him on the show. I and, would love to actually. Yeah. John Sherman, shout out. I, I mean, yeah, I, I think that I, I just don't get them. I mean, through and through, I just don't understand bouldering grades. And, um, I think that it's the bouldering is like the distillation of why climbing is a subjective. Is subjectively difficult, right? You know, you you take something down to, you know, ten feet, three moves, five moves, and everything about the body size, the person type, the strengths and weaknesses can either be the the difference between sending or not, you know. Right. And I don't know, it just gets like really complicated and ironically people get like the most it seems like they get the most upset about the v grades
0: it's interesting to me because the original bouldering grade system that i know of and if i understand it correctly i'm i'm, I'm kind of recalling this but it was it was uh john gills completely personal grading system because the way i understood it was he first of all he only graded problems that he thought were worth grading which were hard. Page 85 of climb. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The B1 was a polar problem from what I understand that he could do either first try or very, very quickly. A B2 was something that he had to work his ass off to do. And a B3 was supposedly something that he was unable to do. Or I
1: thought B3 was that he could only do it once. Oh, right. Or the maybe once. it only had one ascent. One ascent, And yeah. then as soon as someone else does it, it's down to B2.
0: Down to B2. So it's an interesting sliding gray, but it's also so personal. It yeah. really speaks to what we're talking about because it was about him. And at that point, I mean, he was basically, at least within his sort of region, the best boulderer out there. Well, that's
1: sort of the, the thing about the bouldering grades that really irks me is that it becomes... You know, when you bring grades into the equation, it doesn't become you versus the rock. Mm-hmm. It becomes you versus the first ascensionist. Right. Or you versus someone else. Mm-hmm. Or you versus a number. The beauty behind Gil's scale was that it was personal. And it was like, this is only difficult for me in this moment. Right. And so that's what the beauty of the challenge is, is like whether I can do this or not. This could be a theoretical problem that I'll never do or right. I'll work at it and it'll become a B3.
0: Or I'll come back and I'll be more fit and it'll become a B2 because I'll fire it again.
1: But yeah, that's the beauty behind Gil's scale and the ugliness behind the bouldering ratings I think today is that it becomes so much about following these rules Mm -hmm. of how exactly I have to climb this problem in order to get full credit, these full V points, you know. Right. And that takes away from creativity of of exploring the mm-hmm. rock on your own terms.
0: Well, it's interesting. You, know? you just said points because it's a perfect analogy is that they're, they're like points in yeah. a game and you, and you get more points if you climb the higher, you know, and you yeah. can add those onto your score. Right. So, I mean, I, I guess that's where it becomes like a sport is, as people competing with each other on the internet. I don't yeah. know. So,
1: yeah, it's like, it's, I mean, yeah, climbing is like sport, art, lifestyle, Right. Like all of those things on the same day. Right. I think. And that's like the the daily struggle that we all have is deciding which one of those wins out. And I mean, there's probably a few people who are just very one sided in which vision of the sport they want to pursue. Right. But I, I think for the most part, most people I meet are, embody all of those aspects. Sure. You know, it's like an art. It's it's something that they enjoy for the like a dancer would enjoy dancing, you know, like mm-hmm. they can the the goal is not to climb 512, but to just be perfect on the rock in, like, a certain moment. Sure. And there's there's moments like that. There's for sure moments of, I want to climb five, my first 512A. And, you know, that's, like, the most significant thing for me right now. Mm-hmm. And then there's moments of, you know, I want to, you know, be my friend Chris Caluse at his own game and do his project before him. Right. And all of those things like drive, drive me to climb, you know, and, and, and make the sport meaningful. And people, people just are, want to be climbers and do it all. right? Right. It's, if you're not exploring all, all sides of it, you're missing out.
0: So what's our takeaway here? Don't hate on hard climbing.
1: I think, God, do we
0: just don't worry about the grades.
1: I think that, yeah, care, but don't care too much.
0: <laughs> That's totally the right way to think about it. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, we sort of explored it all. But, uh, you know, I just thought, like I said, it's an interesting thing in my mind because we 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 sort of half the time want to blow it off, and but I think it really drives... What most of us are doing with climate. Okay,
1: here's the takeaway that I'd I'd really like to leave us with because this is a little pet peeve of mine that I don't know how to articulate in writing necessarily without Mm -hmm. coming off like a prick. And
0: how's that ever stopped you before?
1: Well, usually it doesn't, (laughs) but I'm I'm getting older, man. (laughs) I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm just
0: (laughs) right on. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. I'm
1: trying. I'm just trying.
0: Right on. You know that's seen in Pulp Fiction.
1: I'm trying, Jules. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, Trying real hard. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, about my taking, takeaway. Yeah. So my takeaway is that our, it's so easy for us to, you know, we've heard like it doesn't matter what grade you're climbing at. Everyone's doing great. Everyone's having an enjoyable experience at that level, and and just rah rah rahing this, you know, every every climber's experience, which is important. Mm-hmm. And I've firmly believe that's true. I also think that we should be a little bit more uh, reverential and deferential to hard climbing because of where it's going to take all of us. And that's something I really believe in that seeing these amazing athletic accomplishments, which we literally cannot possibly understand, you know, from where we are mm-hmm. as just your average climbers. Is is like I don't know. I think that there's there's something to be said for just not you know not just championing that one champion how do you say that word championing that one side of the sport where everyone is the same and every everyone's experience is the same. So why do why should I give a shit about hard climbing when really you should give a shit about hard climbing because it's really hard and that's like progressing the sport and that's going to take. You and your kids and everyone to, you know, new levels. Just be open. Just think about the lessons and not just don't be closed off. Right on. Be respectful, but don't be closed down and be open. And and give give belays out. (laughs) (laughs) Give your friend a belay if he needs it. Maybe some beta. Alright,
0: shut up. <laughs> All right, Andrew. Thanks a lot. I think we uh, I think we really covered this um, I think in a good way. I, mean, I don't know about that. All right. Well thanks for coming over. Any thanks time, for coming man. into the studio. And uh, when I come up with a another philosophical topic that needs hashing out, I'll give you a call. <laughs> Hopefully we'll have some uh,
1: some other people up in the mix. Totally. Yeah, yeah. some
0: other attitudes. Especially from the ladies. Yeah. They're important. just hard to find to get on the mic. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll yeah. see you next time on the normal cast.
1: All right. Thanks, Chris.
0: All right. Well, thanks for listening to episode 22 of the normal cast. We'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. And by that time, the United States of America will have the answer to this overly expensive intrusive and drawn-out question of who's going to be the next president. Personally, I'm pulling for the black guy again, but you guys do what you want. As usual, if you're enjoying yourself over here at the Enorma Cast, consider going to the website, clicking on the Help Out tab. It's a bunch of easy things you can do to help the EnormaCast gain popularity, including liking us on Facebook or subscribing on iTunes. And there's also more difficult things that you can do, like donating a little money to the cause if you feel like you're getting something worthwhile so that's it we'll see you soon hope you're enjoying your november and don't forget to check your knot
2: truth is, you're the weak, and I am the tyranny of evil men, but I'm trying, Ringo, I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd.